The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. The Even Money Podcast is year-round. We love it. That's due in large part to your popularity and how much you guys liked it during the NFL season. We are growing thanks to you guys retweeting the podcast when Brian tweets it out at RTF podcast when I do it at Ross Tucker NFL or when the star of the show Steve Fezzik does it he is at Fezzik Sports of course if you're a Facebook person we love those Facebook likes as well facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL we are presented by saxunderwear.com slash Tucker do yourself a favor and change your life. Just get one pair and then email me and say, Ross, you were right. You weren't just saying that. It is amazing. Truly a game changer. Or you can go to Omaha Steaks and get the best deal going about a, a smorgasbord of food for less than 50 bucks. It is awesome. Speaking of awesome, Steve, I really enjoyed the last two weeks. Number one, two weeks ago, getting a chance to know your background, your upbringing, how you became a professional handicapper, professional better two weeks ago. The story about you guys figuring out, you know, the, the parlay cards, Steve, that feels like that could be like a movie. And wasn't there a movie about, well, I forget the movie about the Harvard card counters. That could have been you, Steve. Bringing down the house. MIT card yeah. counting. Um, absolutely. It's, you know, and I got to tell you, when we first started doing it, we, and what Ross is referring to is we'd play a whole bunch of parlay cards around the entire state of Nevada that had pre-printed odds that the lines would move, but those cards, the odds wouldn't change. So you had the edge. They'd never seen anyone do it. I remember we crushed the Riviera and we're cashing out these tickets and all the writers were like, we'll see you here next week. Come on back. Just assuming like every other winning sports better or most of them that we had just gotten lucky the week before. And then what happened the next week when you did it again? Well, we didn't win every week because there's still some luck involved. Right. But um, within a couple of years, you know, the first guy that figured it out 
was Joe Lupo at the Stardust. He was the um, sportsbook director, manager, and I think he's the number three man at the Bellagio now, running the entire hotel. And Joe um, saw what we were doing, looked into it, and and realized, oh my gosh, these people have the edge over us, and he did not allow us to play. So he was the first guy to figure it out. So when that happened, did they, did they like call you? Like how do you, how how does it come? Just I'm 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 so intrigued by these stories. How did how do they how do they how do they tell you you're no longer welcome? Uh, what Joe did is that he said Steve just can't take. He was very nice the first time. He's like Steve just can't. Um, I can't be taking the this parley card action. You can bet off the board, no problem. And then he caught me coming in. And what I would do is I wouldn't wear a disguise, but a very crowded place. I would wear just um, my shades, and I'd wear a baseball cap, blending in with everyone else, putting in some parley cards. And he caught me doing it, and he said, Steve, that's it. He thought about it for a while, and he said, a year. He says, you're barred for a year. You can come back in a year, no more parley cards. <laughs> so I waited till I, – I took a year to be January 1st. So I waited till January 1st. And I came back and I started playing straight bets again. So I here's my question: Could so you can't can, you can't legally get in trouble because you're not doing anything illegal, right? Yeah, you're not doing anything illegal. There's a certain nebulous area that what blackjack card counters will do is they'll pretend to be somebody else. That is not illegal. If I walk up to you and say, "What's your name?" and you say, "It's." Um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton and your Ross Tucker, you're not committing a crime by misrepresenting yourself that way. If you said that at Walmart or if you said that if you're at the MGM Mirage, even if you show an ID that shows you've got a uh, uh, that is not who you are, that is not illegal. However, what is illegal? And I'm not a lawyer, but this is my understanding of it. If you use a false Social Security number, that is most certainly illegal. So what a lot of people do is that they'll have an alternative ID or IDs with their true social security number. That was how it was back like 10 years ago. You know, I don't do this, so I don't know what the current state of affairs is. I know that people that use false social security numbers to misrepresent tax things, that is most certainly illegal. I actually got, I got, I actually got busted one time for possession of a false identification card and it really stunk because I was 20 and I was at the Jersey Shore summer before my junior year of college and we were about to go somewhere. I think we were just walking and we were about to go somewhere and I put my wallet on top of my car to change like get out of my bathing suit and put on shorts or whatever, right? And then at some point we drove off. It was like middle of the day, drove off to go to the Wawa or whatever it was in, in at the Jersey Shore. Well, I left my wallet up top, so obviously when I drove away, it fell off. So I'm there at the beach the rest of the weekend without my wallet, which stunk because then that night uh, I could not go to any um, – adult establishments because not adults that, that sounds like i'm going to a strip club i couldn't go to any bars because i didn't have my fake id uh, and i happen to have a couple of different fake ids actually um in in my wallet so then um sunday or monday maybe 
I get a call from the Stone Harbor Police Department, which is at the Jersey Shore. And they say, hey, Ross, we, we found your wallet. Somebody turned it in. I was like, oh, awesome. That's great. I'll come down and pick it up. Thank goodness. He said, um, there's a couple of, uh, of fake IDs in here. There's a couple other IDs in here. You want to tell us about those? And I wasn't even thinking of that, Steve. I wasn't thinking I could possibly get in trouble. I was just think I was just happy somebody turned in my my uh, my wallet. Now I'm Meanwhile, shocked that pos- possession of a fake ID is any kind of crime without actually using it as such. Evidently, in the state of New Jersey, it is because I wasn't even using it. I said, and and it wasn't even in my possession. I just said, I, I said, he's like, are they yours? I said, yeah. Uh, he said, well, why do you have them? I said, well, they're a collector's item. You know, the one was a buddy of mine made it for me, um, and I thought it was funny, uh, a funny, you know, ID for me from a different state. And the other one was uh, a, a buddy of mine gave it to me. He thought it was funny because the guy looked at me. Well, it just so happened that both of them said I was 22 when I was not. <laughs> so, anyway, I ended up getting – I think that actually might still be on my record. And I, I really don't feel bad about it at all. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I should have probably gotten a lawyer and fought it more. Um, but I just didn't – I didn't really have the money and I didn't care enough. And I don't know. I just went down there and pled guilty and paid like a small fine and – Whatever. Um, now we know yeah. why so, your draft status fell, and you did not get drafted because of that on your record. Um, hey, one similar story. When I was working at Transamerica as an executive, on Friday afternoon, I had to get to LAX. I had to get to Nevada. And so I would leave with my suit and tie. I drive to um, Terminal 1, special parking there, like Ross Tucker at the beach. I would change out of my suit into an outfit, a comfortable outfit with a whole bunch of pockets so I could put parley cards and money in them. And so there I was, like Superman, like you, you know, um, trying not to get arrested for, like, changing in a parking lot in the public. That is funny. I love it. Um, so, So anyway, so evidently you can't have a false identification card. So here's my, I got two more questions. So my other question, this is awesome, by the way, I love I love these conversations, these stories. So, yeah, uh, by the way, that was my huge red flag for my draft. That, I probably would have been a first-round pick if it wasn't for that. Um, my question is, you know, you hear these stories of like people getting roughed up in Vegas when they try to cheat the system or beat the system. Does that stuff go on? Like, were you, were you concerned when you went back with a disguise that theoretically – they could have had uh, somebody in security rough you up? You know, I was lucky in that it was the 1990s when I was doing all this. There is no question that in the 1980s, I could have run into some trouble here. Um, But by the 90s, the mob no longer had any influence, and it was run by corporate America. There's only two times I ever was really concerned. There was one time I was in the old Aladdin. And I beat him out of five $9,000 parlay cards. And I still remember when I went in and I cashed them. I cashed them one at a time. And they asked me, do you have any more of these? And I said, no, because I just had the one on me at that one time. 
But then uh, they paid me that one time, and then I think they figured out that I had put in the other four. And they said they were yelling me, sir, sir, and they had security chasing after me. And I know as a blackjack player, I'm supposed to walk fast to an exit. Don't turn around when security is after you. Uh, don't run. Walk fast. And so I, I walk out the front door, and there I'm like – it's like six feet above Las Vegas Boulevard. It's like an exit, but you're not free yet. And so I remember hopping, you know, climbing down the stones there to get to the boulevard, crossing the boulevard against traffic with security like staring at me. So that was that happened. Um, then I came back with some friends and witnesses to cast the other four, and they barred me. And the second time, the town of Wendover, um, I knew some people that just blew the the Rainbow and the State Line casinos, the Kingdom Come, and I to this day have not returned to Wendover, Nevada. So my question is, because you mentioned you, you, you crippled a couple of casinos. Like, how much money are we talking here? Like how, like, how could you have done enough parlay cards that they didn't catch it, that it was enough to shut down a whole casino? Because they're, they're making money on everything else they do. So how could yours be enough to offset all of the other profit they should have been generating? Well, like... At Baldini's Casino in Reno, Nevada, a 17 were paid 100 to 1. And so um, I'm betting their maximum, which is like $50 that they want to take. Each one that wins pays $5,000. So I won like six of them in one week. And so I put in like 1000 in action and won 30000 And that sportsbook's making $1,000 a week in terms of their small action against everybody else. How are you going to explain to your managers – Oh, we make a thousand dollars a week, but this week we lost twenty nine thousand. Ooh, okay. So it wasn't like so they, you just shut down the sports book, not the casino. Yeah, we it, but but up in Wendover, the numbers were way, way, way bigger. That was actually the whole casino got rocked up in Wendover. But it was not me; it was some associates of mine, and that was. That that would be the book. That was that would have been a, a great book. By the way, Baldini's a little hole in the wall casino in Sparks, Nevada. You have this big picture of Otis Sistrunk that said, "Even the biggest customers come here," which was comical because it was such a small, you know, hole in the wall dive place. So I always remember that picture of Otis Sistrunk whenever um, I'm in Reno, Nevada. Wow, dude! I I'm loving these off season even money podcasts. We've got a lot more. Where this came from, obviously the NFL season will be here before you thought. But I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple other things. You know, it's been announced Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are going to fight. I guess before I get into like specific questions, I just wanted to get your reaction to that. Well, I think it's a great spectacle. Um, I know Muhammad Ali once went to Japan and took on a wrestler. I'm all for it. I'm all for entertainment. I would never pay $100 to watch this. But the general concept of a spectacle, I think it's great. People are probably going to have a lot of fun with it before the fight actually occurs. So I am extremely pro McGregor Mayweather. Okay. What about from an action standpoint? Complete joke. Um, I think there was like a Rocky Six movie. Where was that Mayweather that was that he was fighting? Um, I can't remember, but um, Rocky was like sixty, and they uh, the boxer said, "Hey, I'll I'll carry you, old man. You just can't try to you know 
to, to actually hit me during the fight. It makes no sense to me. Floyd is undefeated. The best boxers in the world have not been able to hurt him at all, much less beat him. And so now a non-boxer, a fighter, has to box against him. Vegas, we're beyond confused by this one. Vegas opened Mayweather like a 40-to-1 favorite. Actually, not that high. They thought it should be 40-to-1. They opened him 20-to-1. Now he's down to 6-to-1 in some places. We truly feel, if it's on the up and up, that I, me and all the experts, that McGregor has no chance for us, and yet the money has poured in on McGregor. We cannot understand it. Wait a minute. They wanted it to be 40 to 1 or 20 to 1, and now it's 6 to 1. And it started out 20 to 1, now it's 6 to 1? Yes. Bets poured in on McGregor at 20 to 1, 15 to 1, 10 to 1, 8 to 1. They just kept betting McGregor the second that this line opened up. And we're thinking, well, maybe some of that was pros, you know, arbitrage saying, hey, you know, I'll bet 20 to 1. I know this line's going to drop because people will bet 20 to 1 on anything. But now that it got below 10 to 1, they kept betting McGregor. And no one I've spoken to that knows boxing can figure it out. I rely on my boxing experts. They feel the true chance of McGregor winning are like 1 in 100, I've even heard them say. And it makes a lot of sense to me. How is a non-boxer going to beat a boxer that's 50 and 0? Um, I mean, if you, if you just took like the number 10 boxer in the world and put him against McGregor, that number 10 boxer should be a monster favorite because McGregor is a tremendous MMA fighter. Uh, he's not a world-ranked boxer. Um, so it would be interesting to see when they actually get into the ring, is this just going to be a farce? Is, is Mayweather is unhittable going to just you know, spar and jab with him for you know however long the fight is for 10 rounds? Or will this actually have some action? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, there are people that think that, you know, I don't know, these aren't experts, but people I've talked to think that this is almost like professional wrestling, like a work, you know, where um, Floyd and McGregor kind of, you know, there's a, a wink-nod deal here about how this is going to go, and it's the last fight for both of them, and they're both going to make an insane amount of money, and that's really why they're doing it, um, which I don't blame them. I would do the same thing probably. If I were them, here's what I don't understand, uh, Steve. We always talk about the odds and, you know, the books put the odds where they think it should be, right? Like they set the line and they want to have a sharp line. So if the numbers go from 20 to 1 to 6 to 1, isn't the line no longer no longer sharp? That is correct. The line was not sharp because they wanted to have two-way action and now they're exposed with huge McGregor liability and sometimes that happens that just the unpredictable um, or I guess in this case, maybe you could say it was predictable that um, all the time the sports book will open a bad number and it will just keep moving. And that's the danger of being the first person to have to put a lineup on a game. Example, the South Point college football games of the year, um, they put up a bad line. Oregon is at Wyoming and they open that line. Oregon minus one. Well, that line's going to close Oregon minus 10, Ross. That was just a bad number they put up. And so if you put up a bad number, you're in a bad position because you get inundated with Oregon bets, although they're only 1,000 a pop. In this case, not nearly as bad because 
everyone might beat the closing number that's betting McGregor, but they're not going to cash their tickets. Got it. Okay. So that, that, cause I always wondered like, uh, you know, a lot of people believe that the line just moves based on how it's bet, but you've said that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, because there are times where the, all the sports book does is they see a, 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 a guy walking up in Celtic garb betting McGregor and asking for 20000 And then he sees a math geek coming up and betting on um, the other side and taking Mayweather and betting the same amount back in the other direction or much or essentially not as much because he's betting 10000 to win 2000 back on Mayweather. And you get enough bets like that and you say, you know what? The sharp side is Mayweather. The square side is McGregor. We want to be on the side with the sharps. So have you already bet the fight? I haven't because it keeps dropping. So um, I'm, I'm waiting to try to buy it at the very bottom. And I see the Coast Casinos here in town has – I don't have to lay 600 to win 100. I might have to take a piece of 6 to 1. I just can't feel – that it's going to drop any further. You know, I was about to go to the coast last night, Ross, and instead I made the silly decision, it was 119 degrees here, to go to the gym. I was thinking about you, so I'm squatting. I'm thinking, well, Ross Tucker probably, I'm guessing, squatted like close to 500 pounds. I'm squatting like 135, and when I'm done, my back is sore. Terrible. Yeah, I was a big squatter. My That was like um, probably my strongest attribute strongest lift in the weight room and by far the most important lift for an offensive lineman so yeah and I had the perfect body type for it short legs and short thick legs and that was probably the biggest reason why I was uh, an NFL player at least from a physical ability standpoint do you bet boxing a lot Steve do you think it's a, a good a good sport to bet um, I think it's as good as any other. Um, there always are concerns about it's the one sport that when you see a big line move, you worry about the integrity of it. If there'd be no easier, easier sport to fix, obviously than tennis and boxing. So sometimes you bring it up. Um, it may, whether are we going to get his best effort? Or is he going to carry McGregor? Like if you're betting over under a number of rounds and things. So you've got to worry about the integrity of the boxing when you're betting. One quick note on squatting for anyone who's a basketball player that's younger out there. Um, I actually never could dunk a basketball, but I was not very athletic. But when my, a powerlifter friend of mine taught me how to squat when I was 19, I went from barely clipping the rim to dunking a volleyball. So squatting makes you a much better basketball player as well as football player. Yeah. Um, so, what do, what do you recommend? The last thing, like for boxing, is is it that simple? You just pick one guy or the other. Or are there any other like, prop bets or any anything else related to like a McGregor Mayweather fight that people should consider? I would keep it simple. I'll I'll do a best bet on let's take May, uh, McGregor. Or I'm sorry, let's take Mayweather right now at the market price of minus six fifty. Um, you know, that will certainly be a best bet, but I got to tell you a lot of the pros I know have moved over to MMA because there's so many more matchups. So why bet on one boxing match when you got 14, um, on a big MMA card to choose from. So that's really where their focus has been. 
Speaking of focus, Steve, it feels like a lot of the focus this week has been on the NBA and, you know, potential trades and potential signings and guys are getting traded left and right and the draft is coming up tomorrow night. I guess my question is, um, are there any – when do they open up, like, season win totals for the NBA? I'm guessing not for a while with all this movement. Yeah, not for a while because unlike the NFL where a quarterback can really move a season win number, boy, in the NBA roster, there's nothing like a big roster change to wreck a season win number. Imagine if, like, um, you get a player like Chris Paul is no longer with the Clippers due to a trade or a change. Um, and it's very difficult to set these numbers. So usually they don't come up until later. Um, I will say I, I'm, it's remarkable to me to see guards that are in such high regard that shoot like 65% free throws. Uh, if there's one thing that I avoid, like the plague when I'm drafting quarterbacks is low completion rates. And if I'm going to draft a guard high and pay him millions, he better be able to make 70% or higher of his free throw shots. Got it. So um, is there anything going on betting wise surrounding all this player movement or, or the draft or, or does Vegas put lines anything out there for this stuff or do they just wait until the smoke clears, so to speak? Well, this is so cool. For the first time, you can bet on both the NBA and the NFL draft. You can't in Vegas. You can't bet the day of the draft. You can bet up to the day before. So Vegas has lines out on how many UCLA players will be drafted, how many Kentucky players will be drafted, how many Gonzaga players will be drafted. And, and um, I'm not an expert on, on player personnel here at all, but like Gonzaga is really, really interesting because their number is one and a half. And I guess one of, they have one player that's a lock, and I don't know if it's Nigel Williams. I don't even know the the, the, the player for um, Gonzaga that's on the fence to be picked at the end of the second round. But it's literally it may as well be a uh, an over under, and will he be picked by the end of the second round? So that line on the Zags is one and a half players in the draft. So what? My, my, I guess my other question then would be. Why do they not let you do it the day of the draft? That is a great question, and I really don't know what the answer is. I think the Nevada Gaming Board wanted to be very uh, conservative in terms of um, the potential, of, I guess, maybe of you know organizations finding out there's betting on, on a certain team. Or I, I Actually, no, I know why. Because I think the day of the draft, it's predetermined on the actual day what player different teams will take and so they they're treating it like it's not a an event that has some uncertainty but up to the day before there still is uncertainty teams still could change their minds even though they're virtually sure i think that's why they cut it off 24 hours before the actual draft that makes sense lastly steve we're going to get into um some nfl stuff uh next week but the last thing for today, I want to get some of your thoughts just on Major League Baseball at this point in the season and some of the things you're looking at for the rest of the season there that you have an interest in. Yeah, you know, and the one team I watch more than any other team is the Chicago Cubs because I did go to school at Northwestern and so I became a Cubby fan. And I think that 
what's happening is the narrative that many are saying is completely opposite from the reality. The narrative is uh, the Cubs were great last year and they're kind of coasting world champions and they'll be fine. They'll kick it in. And I think the reality is that the Cubs just don't have it this year at all. There's a theory, Ross, that the Cubs had some kind of performance enhancer that may or may not have been legal or illegal last year, but they're no longer allowed to use it. Every one of their pitchers, Arietta, Lester, etc., are having down years. They all have ERAs around four or higher on their starting pitchers. Their bullpen's better, but their starters, their hitters, are all arguably having a worse year than they had the year before. And when you're watching the team, there's just they're just not very good. Their lineup is not very good. And they're in such a funk that you, I've never seen anything like this before. They're two power hitters, Ross. Now um, they have batting one, two. So they have Rizzo leading off <laughs> and then they have Brian batting second. They don't have a 300 hitter unless you count John Jay, who they pat, they bat ninth. It is the strangest convoluted lineup you've ever seen that should not work basically violates all baseball history of, of, of very good teams. But I think that the Cubs could still win their division. If they make the playoffs, I cannot wait to take a team like the Dodgers or Washington and bet them at very reasonable odds against an ultra-public Cub team. Uh, the Cubs are going to get blasted if they make the playoffs this year. So is there a way to, to, to bet and, and take some action on that now? There is not, because all they have is, is in the futures books, um, who will win the World Series. And, of course, the Cubs are still you know, way in, too inflated in the numbers. But we have to wait until the actual playoffs. But I think the Cubs will find a way to win their division. And at that point, I'm not a huge baseball better, but I will really step it up. I would love to have the Dodgers with revenge from last year's playoff loss against the Cubs because this Dodger team is great and the Cubs team, I'd make the case they're going to win more than half their games just because their division is horrendous. And so they can beat up on the Reds and the other teams in their division. When they have to play against the Dodgers, wow, it is going to get ugly. Speaking of wow, you never know what you're going to get on the Even Money podcast. I think that that's the first time I've ever told that story of me getting arrested uh, publicly. And we also heard about Steve almost getting beat up, which is always a fun topic as well. You never know what you're going to get on the Even Money podcast. And we can't thank those of you that give us an iTunes ranking uh, enough. That is huge for us, as well as the comments and downloading this podcast on multiple devices. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the win total movement we've seen in the NFL, as well as studying the NFL schedule. It's big for fantasy football players, and it should be big for gamblers as well. I think it's a fair critique. Not nearly enough people look at the schedule when they're thinking of these win totals and look at what divisions these teams are scheduled to play in the rotation this year. So we will get into that next week. Cannot wait to talk about that. That's Getting a little deeper, which we need to do. Check out Steve on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. All kinds of good stuff there. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. The podcast, at RTF Podcast, is the way in which you can 
get any of our special deals from Saks Underwear or Omaha, as well as know immediately when the podcast has been posted. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.